Welcome to the Eastridge Church East Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. Hey, we're going to continue our series today. And so I do, before we get started, I do want to say this. It's great to see you. If you're a guest with us, man, thank you for uh, choosing to be with uh, Eastridge, which I think is some of the greatest people on the face of the earth. Uh, like Trey has said, um, we are going to continue our series on reset. And today we're looking at reconciliation. There was a question that was posed on social media. And the question was, what's the worst thing that you can do to someone? Well, a lot of answers came in, you know, a lot of topics came in, but with some of those topics uh, came some stories. But people first said you can, you can ignore someone, you can deceive someone, you can steal from someone, you can abuse, lie to, uh, kill, of course, take for granted. And a lot of the people that um, answered the question even told their stories, What's true is this, we, we all have a story of hurt. Every single person in this room, um, those that will come second service, every person on the face of the earth has a story of hurt. We've all been hurt, and truth is we've all hurt someone. I was reminded uh, early this week of a story of hurt that honestly I completely forgot about. Um, I just graduated high school. Matter of fact, I, I left my high school graduation uh, my parents had planned a graduation party for me at the lake. And, you know, there were uh, friends from uh, school. There were friends from youth group. There were family members, uh, members there. But my minister was there. And, and that was a little, that was strange. Not because I don't like ministers. That would be odd because I am one. But he was there. And I, I don't even remember seeing him at a family function, you know. Um, but he was there. And so he made an announcement. He said, Hey, I, I, I want to make this announcement, Scott. You're going to Clemson, and someone met you, and they were impressed with you and liked you, and so they're going to give you, they're going to pay for your whole education at Clemson. And the money will come in each semester. I was, you know, I mean, I had no idea. I was glad he was there, you know. <laughs> had no idea. Um... And sure enough, the money came for that semester, and a family member stole it. And I, I'll be honest, I have completely forgotten about that to this week. We all have a story. Matter of fact, by me saying that, you probably have a picture of somebody in your head, or, or a name has, has come to your mind. And maybe by me sharing my story, now you, now that story is replaying in, in your head, something that, that was done to you. So what do we, what do, we do with that? What do you do with, with a person who, is, who has caused you pain? You can bury it. 
You can just bury it and say, you know, it didn't happen. I'm just going to forget about it. Matter of fact, I talked to somebody this week who, who came from a very abusive situation, and they were reminded about the abuse done to them. They just buried it. There could be the get even. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of us are the get even people? You did this to me. I will do this to you. You can pretend that it didn't bother you. You can self-medicate. And one thing I learned to do that I've had to unlearn to do is I learned how to put up walls. You will never hurt me again. You will never be close enough to do something like that again. And I just didn't apply it to that person. The problem with putting up walls is I applied it to everybody. Well, here's the problem with these ways of handling. They usually don't end well for us. So there is a, another option, and it's reconciliation. It's to, to reconcile, to restore to friendship or, or to harmony, to settle or resolve, to, to make compatible. But the question is, who, who should initiate that? This incredible wrong that's been done, this pain that's been caused, who should initiate that? Paul writes in Romans verse 12, chapter 12, verse 18. And I can't tell you how many times this verse comes up in my personal life. <laughs> if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, maybe it's not possible. Maybe, maybe they, they live somewhere far away or, or maybe they've passed. Maybe something has happened. But if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. He's speaking, Paul is, to, to believers. Now, we're, we're going to go back in Genesis, and we're going to talk about Jacob and Esau. And, and, and sometimes I, I was telling Trey earlier, I said, why is this question here? Why, why is this story here? Why, why is, this, is it included? It could have not been included. Is it there because of an example of obedience? Is it there because of an example of God's faithfulness? Or is it there for just closure? But it's Jacob and Esau. And I want to tell you something. It, it's, none of you came from dysfunction. And if you didn't, you're... You're very dysfunctional. <laughs> but here you have a story of, of just family dysfunction. You got a mom that loves one child over the other. And of course, you got a dad who, who loves one child over the other. They both have favorites and, and the problems. It creates a sibling rivalry, so to speak. And it's even worse than that. It's not like I want to one-up you or I'm sick of all your achievements. And what happens is Jacob, who we talked about last week, who name means deceiver, is able to deceive his dad, make him think he's Esau, and get this family blessing. Now, in the, in the, and he's the, he's the second born. Esau's the first one. In the ancient world, the family blessing went to the firstborn, and they had the birthright and the blessing, and it was due to them all because they were born first. Well, Jacob deceives his dad, and then he takes advantage of his brother. I'm going to blame Esau a little bit on this. You know, Esau gave into his hunger and gave away his birthright. But Jacob said, yeah, I'll make you a bowl of soup. That must have been some phenomenal soup. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll take a bowl of soup. If you give me a bowl of soup, I'll give you my birthright. 
And what we see here is Esau's response to this. He is seething. Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has cheated me twice. First he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he's stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you even saved one blessing for me? Esau's talking to Isaac, his dad. And Isaac said, Esau, I have made Jacob your master, and I have declared that all his brothers will be his servants. I have guaranteed him an abundance of grain and wine. And what is left for me to give you, my son? Esau pleaded, but do you have only one blessing? Oh, my father, bless me too. And this is like a deathbed situation. These are last words given to a son. Then Esau broke down and wept. And finally his father Isaac said to him, you will, have, you will live away from the richness of the earth and away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. But when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. From that time on, Esau hated Jacob because his, their father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme, I will soon be mourning my father's death. And listen to these last words. I think he meant them. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. I'm going to mourn, then I'm going to kill. I'm going to mourn, and then I will get my revenge. You got a broken family, you have hatred, and you have revenge. Some of you are there right now. Like, yeah, maybe. Maybe there's not a birthright or a blessing that's been passed down or taken from you. But you totally understand the pain of a dysfunctional family. Or you understand Esau in the sense that this was not how it was supposed to turn out. I have been betrayed. But here's the truth. For the believer. Here's the truth for the believer. And maybe maybe for a non-believer, but I know this to be true for the believer who's trying to walk with the Lord and live in the Spirit and who's in His Word daily. Reconciliation is often on our minds. I know people that were abused by their parents in the worst ways. And you know what they want? A relationship with that parent. I have seen it over and over again. And you especially want reconciliation if you are the one in the wrong. If you're following God and you know you've wronged somebody, you know this, you know when I say these words, God doesn't let you up. He, doesn't, he, he, he won't let up on you about this. He wants to see reconciliation. If you're walking in the Spirit, if you're in the Word of God, and you're living for the Lord, you, you may not even be able to pray without their name or their face coming to mind. That family member I had written off. I, uh, like I said, you, you'll not hurt me or my family again. See, I you know, graduated high school, ended up going, uh, I ended up going into the ministry, uh, ended up getting married, and I would not let this family member close, relationally close to me or my kids or my wife. 
you'll stay this close and no more. Matter of fact, it went years without speaking. And I'm in Bible college. Probably a lot like Jacob and Esau, um, there was a huge distance between us. Now Jacob's got to face him. And he knows he's got to face him. And listen to what Jacob prays. He says, then Jacob prayed, oh, God of my grandfather Abraham and God of my father Isaac, oh, Lord, you told me return to your own land and to your relatives. Esau's last words, I will mourn, then I will kill. And you promised me I will treat you kindly. Now listen to the words of the deceiver. I am not worthy of all the unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown to me, your servant. He knows he stole the blessing. He knows he tricked and took advantage of Esau. When I left home and crossed the Jordan River, I owned nothing except a walking stick. Now my household fills two large camps. Oh, Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I'm afraid that he's coming to attack me along with my wives and children. But you promised me I will surely treat you kindly and I will multiply your descendants until they become as numerous as the sands along the seashore, too many to count. This is a blessing that was given to his grandfather Abraham, that was given to Isaac, and now it was supposed to go to, to Esau, and now Jacob has it. He is scared. <laughs> I mean, that's just like a, an understatement. He, he does not want to face Esau. So what does he do? He sends gifts to appease Esau's anger. And he prays to God for help. He's going back out of obedience, out of faithfulness to his God. And Esau's going to be there. I want to say this one more time. There is a longing in most everyone to be reconciled to the one they hurt. To get that shame or to get that guilt, to close that chapter, to be right with them. And I want, I want, church, I want you to understand this. And not, when I say church, I'm talking about believers. Understand this. You cannot be right this way and not be right this way. I, I can't be right with my God when I've not made things right with my brother. Because, and the reason I say that is, God has called us to live at peace with everyone as much as it depends on He has called us to forgive one another. We, he even taught us to pray, forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sinned against me. We're going to see that Esau's been waiting to reconcile with, with Jacob. And actually, it's not even Jacob's. This is not high on Jacob's bucket list. But he's going, you have to trust God's word by doing what he says and holding on to his promises. The way you're going to trust God is trusting his word. Look, go back to what Jacob said, but God, you said, but God, you said, and God, you, you promised. 
He is holding on to the promises of God. And and so when you and I have to walk through this difficult process of reconciliation, it's not because I preached a sermon on it. It's already because God's just been knocking on you. And this is just a reminder for most of us that we need to make things right. Jacob knew he had to face Esau again. And if you have a broken relationship, you know you had to face them again. So what do we do? We trust God. Because reconciliation is the work of a supernatural God. Now, look at how God was at work in in Esau. Then Jacob looked up and he saw Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and his two servant wives. He put the servant wives and their children at the front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. Then Jacob went on ahead. As he approached his brother, he bowed down to the ground seven times before him. Submission. Humility. Which is not Jacob's nature. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. And what we have now is a hallmark moment filmed on the square of Covington, Georgia. I bet when he saw Esau running, he didn't think he was going to be embraced. He thought he was going to be stabbed, choked, maybe slowly killed. He did not expect an embrace. But what was happening in Esau is something that you and I often forget. God is always working on the lives and in the lives of his people according to his will. So you got to understand, Jacob is the blessing. Uh, it will be his descendants that will be as, as, uh, as, as numerous as the sand on, on the seashore. That It will be one of his descendants that, that bring about the birth of Christ so that the whole world may be blessed. And God is working in Esau. Esau, because of God, has gone from wanting to kill his brother to wanting to embrace his brother. Verse 10, Jacob insisted, No, if I have found favor with you, please accept this gift from me. And what a relief to see your friendly smile. It's like seeing the face of God. You know know what's interesting about that statement? In Genesis 32, Jacob saw the face of God. I see what God has done in you. He says, please take, please, Take this gift I have brought you, for God has been very gracious to me, and I have more than enough. And because Jacob insisted, Esau finally accepted the gift. I'm going to ask this question. You already know the answer, but why does this message matter? Why does this message matter? Because friends hurt friends. Family hurt family. 
and Christians hurt Christians. Went off to Bible college and did not get it funded by the wealthy family member. But went off to Bible college and I thought, but going there, it was going to be like um, summer camp, at, like summer Christian camp. And everybody would just be nice and sweet and loving and forgiving. And the very first person I met was coming down the hallway and told me to get the blankety-blank out of his way. Christians hurt Christians. You've joined churches. You may have joined this church. And you know that statement, Christians hurt Christians, is, is true. Why do we have to reconcile? I like this. This worked well for years. On the outside, but not in my soul. Why do we have to reconcile? Because reconciliation is at the heart of God. We look most like God when we forgive. His children look most like Him when we choose to forgive. And when people see reconciliation, when you reconcile, man, what they do is they see the, the work of God. God is glorified. It's like, like Jacob said, I have seen the face of God. And not only does it bring immediate healing to that relationship, but it is a testimony to the rest of the world that you and I are truly following Jesus. Attending church is a, is a very... When it comes to witness, it's small. But doing what the Word says, man, what an incredible witness to the world. They know that they, they have seen people following God, that the world sees the work of God in our lives. Because they know that's not, that's not of the world. Of the world, it is, it is get revenge. It is kill. It is destroy. Do what you did to me. I'm going to do that. But when you and I choose to be reconciled, it's the work of God. The most effective testimony you and I have is not attending church and and it's not reading our Bibles. It's doing what the Bible says. That's what the world wants to see. And that's what we see happening in Jacob. The world sees us following Jesus as we choose reconciliation. God's word tells us again, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, some people may not receive what you have to say. Some people are not, not mature enough to handle what you have to say. They, they, they may not be able to say, you know what, you may say, I forgive you. Or you may say, will you forgive me? You're not responsible for their reaction. You're not responsible for their response. But as much as it depends on you, you, you do your part. And your part is just following the Lord. Your part is say, hey, I, 
if it's saying I'm sorry or if it's saying I forgive you, you're not responsible. You're not responsible. Now, some of you are thinking, there's no way I can do this. Don't believe that lie. Don't believe that lie. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Greater is he that is in me than than he that is in the world. Listen, that lie is only as powerful as we make it. But if we don't believe the lie, it's less than air. It's just words with no meaning. I promise you this. Peace is awaiting those who choose as much as it depends on them to live at peace with everyone. Healing is on the other side of that. Joy is on the other side of that. It's possible. I heard this story about a um, guy that got drunk and he went driving and it ended up, and, and then a story that we're all too familiar hearing and ended up killing the, the daughter of this family. And he goes to prison and he finds Christ. Now, a lot of people find Christ in prison. The problem is they leave Christ in prison. This was not that case. He truly finds Christ. And then as he's praying, he begins praying about reconciliation with the family of the daughter that he killed. I guarantee you there were a lot of but God moments like Jacob had. But but God, but but you promised. And so he reaches out to the family. And after a long process, he reconciles not with one family member, but with the brother, the mother, and the dad. And guess what? He is now the regional director for prison fellowship in the western part of the United States. This guy that got drunk, chose to get drunk, chose to drive drunk, took the, uh, a family member from a family, and he reconciled. And now he's the regional director of the western United States for prison fellowship. And guess what story he tells over and over again? That story of him coming to Christ and him reconciling with that family. And I'm going to tell you what it's done. Because he has shared that story, and I believe this to be true, reconciliation breeds reconciliation. When you reconcile, others see it, and it sets an example. And I'm going to tell you, your kids will see it, your family members will see it, and you know what they're going to do? They're going to be in a situation, and God's going to use your story to inspire somebody else. Now, what do we do today? Maybe you need to be reconciled with God. 
And with Scott, I've already trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. I've already trusted him with my salvation. I, I am filled by the Spirit. But if you're living in disobedience to being reconciled with someone, you're not right with God. You're saved. I'm not taking, I can't take that away from you. But you're not enjoying the relationship. There's a block in that relationship. So maybe first, there needs to be time of forgiveness. God, forgive me because I have held on to this. God, forgive me because I have chosen, I have enjoyed whatever may be your story. And you may be thinking, maybe you're the one that's wronged somebody. I don't deserve forgiveness, is what you may be thinking. How many of you agree with me that Jacob did not deserve the blessing of the birthright and the blessing that was passed down from Abraham to Isaac? Can we all agree there that he was a deceiver and a liar and a manipulator? But yet he got it. See, the, the patriarchs, the, the, the men of God, Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob, God gave this covenant of grace before the law. He gave this covenant of grace to them. You got Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Abram, but, but I want you to see there's this pattern here. There's a, there's a pattern because you and I don't deserve it. We, we don't deserve forgiveness, and we don't deserve to be forgiven by God or, or even by those we may have offended. But this family blessing that was given to the firstborn and this birthright that was given to the firstborn that was due to them, you see that the firstborn was overlooked in the patriarchs. The firstborn, that was the blessing that was due him was not given to him. Ishmael was rejected and Isaac, Abraham's son Ishmael was rejected and Isaac received the blessing and then Isaac's son um, Esau was rejected and, and Jacob got the blessing and then Jacob's son Reuben was rejected and, and Joseph received the blessing and then Manasseh was rejected, his son, and then Ephraim received the blessing. That's messed up. Why was this pattern Repeated generation after generation. Because it comes to show that God's grace comes by blessing and not merit, not by work, not by birth, not by what's due. And God the Father had the firstborn son, Jesus, take our curse, take our punishment for our sins so that the blessing would come upon us. It was repeated over and over in the Old Testament to show you that Jesus took the punishment that was deserved for all those who would believe in him and trust in him. We didn't earn it or deserve it. God made it possible for us to be reconciled with him through forgiveness. We're made right with God and he wants us to reconcile with others because he's our father two things we look most like God when we forgive others and we are reconciled with others 
I did. That family member and I, we're not like, we don't talk every day. But we're closer than we've ever been. Even before that incident. Even before they stole from me. They've never repaid the money. They have never brought it up. And I haven't either. And you may be thinking, God, why? I forgave them because Jesus forgave me. I forgave them not to set them free, but to set me free from anger and resentment and bitterness and a lack of peace that I did not have with God. Now, reconciliation can be a process. Some of you may have a Jacob and Esau story. Some of you may have a Scott Moore story. You may, I do know this, you probably have your own story. So this morning, will you obey God? Will you choose to be reconciled with that person? But again, before you can do that, we have to be reconciled with God. So we're just going to go to a time of reflection. And what reflection is, is basically saying, it's listening. God, you've presented this message, you've presented this word. Think about it. And then we'll move to a point of doing something about it. So let's just reflect. If you want to close your eyes, you can. And maybe we just want to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I bet the answer to that is pretty quick. Because we know his word. As much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Forgive one another as I have forgiven you. And if you've been holding on to it, then it's not just, there's not just this offense against someone else, there's this offense against God. There's this disobedience to Him. And so maybe right now we just begin, God, forgive me for disobeying you. And Father, because of your word, because of the forgiveness you have shown me, Father, I will seek forgiveness and reconciliation. Father, also I'm going to pray this for my brothers and sisters, my friends in this room. Lord, they would know the peace of God. They would know the, the, the joy of your spirit. They would know these things, God, because they have been obedient to you. And Father, may their focus not be on the other person, but it, may it be completely on you as they walk in the joy of obedience. 
And Father, I pray that their joy would be greater than their fear. I pray um, they would see the face of God. And I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you. We love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.